0: I think sometimes we forget what goes on behind the scenes and what goes on during the work, uh, during the week. Uh, Our media team uh, set our stage for us today. Can we just give it up for our media team? And uh, Mitch Hardison makes our videos for us. Let's give it up for Mitch. We appreciate it. What goes on, uh, I got to tell you guys, uh, as soon as Sunday service is over, we start working on the next weekend right then. I'm telling you, on Sunday afternoon, our guys are already working on the next weekend, getting it ready, so when you come, you can bring your friends and family and your guests, and uh, they will be um, impacted by the Word of God and by the presence of God. Um, You know, our Sunday begins on Thursday because our first service of the week is Thursday night, so I'd like a little pity right there if I could get it from you. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Pity will get you somewhere. Okay. Um, Hey, Military Appreciation Week is August 3rd. How many of you know that is right around the corner? It is actually less than two weeks away. On Wednesday evening, August 3rd, which is first Wednesday, um, we will have a message by Colonel Randy Ogden and his wife, Danita, and uh, they will be sharing with us a message entitled, Making God the Center of Your Military Home. Do we love military families in this church? we're going to be honoring, uh, and we hope you'll pick up some of these posters. They should be at the Connect Center. Not sure if there's any at this Connect Center, so I hope if people are out there who are listening to me, we'll get some down here. Uh, so you can pick these up, and Pastor Jeremy last night told our congregation, we had a great service last night here at Lake, uh, told our congregation... Uh, to put these up where you work, if they will let you, and put them up if they will not let you. That's what he said. And so get some of these. We got some bigger ones. So guys, just put them around. Let's let the military uh, families, uh, our, our awesome um, soldiers know that we love them. Our airmen, let, let them know that we love them and their families, their children, and uh, uh, this is gonna be again August 3 through 7th. We'll be honoring uh, people who are in any branch of the military and uh, we know we have Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, of course, and, and, uh, and we know that uh, they get a lot of our attention and certainly they should, but we have people really from uh, uh, all areas, all branches of the military in our neck of the woods and so um, we wanna honor you on that day. We hope you'll wear your uh, uniform. Uh, if you would, uh, you can wear your, uh, um, you know, I, I don't know what you call them. Just wear them, you know, that stuff y'all wear. Because every time I see somebody, I was in the mall in Raleigh uh, this week, um, and um, Millie made me go. And um, there was a guy, there was a, a guy there, and I could tell he was with his mom and dad, and he had on his. Uh, uh, fatigues, and I was like, "Man, dude, thank you so much." And when you see people uh, in their in their uniform, thank them, thank them. Just walk up to them and go, "Man, thank you so much for what you do." How many of you know we're here today having church? I can preach anything I want to, anything God gives me, anything God puts in my heart, because we got people standing on the wall. Do you know that? So we just thank God for that. And don't talk about how much you love them now and you don't ever do anything. So get them posters up. Let's love on them. All four weekend services, August 4th, 5th, and 6th. The Art of Marriage is a part of this week as well. If you haven't gone to The Art of Marriage, I would encourage you to go, and you don't have to be military to go to this marriage conference, August uh, 5th and 6th. We called First Assembly of God, went and met with the leadership of that church because we wanted to have it at a location that was really close to Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, and First Assembly has made their building available to us. Scott and Sherry will be going there and leading uh, a team through, uh, or leading um, some couples uh, through Art of Marriage, but even though we're, we're targeting the military families for that conference, anybody can go to it. We had over 300 who came to our conference here, and 17 accepted Christ as their personal Savior. So it is a very, very powerful conference, and we hope you'll go online and, uh, and, and sign up for that and be a part of that. Uh, uh, reservist Day, uh, Seymour Johnson Air Force Base has invited us onto the base, so we're going to be honoring the uh, reservist on Saturday, August the 6th. Now, you're not going to ever hear me say this very often, but I'm going to say it today. We have all the volunteers we need for that event. Isn't that awesome? You say, well, I, wh- what do I need to do? Pray. You need to pray. Uh, because, uh, you know, there are limitations about what you can preach and what you can say. And, uh, and we certainly understand that. We, we certainly understand that. Uh, but we can go and be Jesus to them. And, and y'all with me? We, we can demonstrate the love of Jesus to them. And so uh, let's be praying uh, for that very, very special day. Okay? We're beginning a brand new sermon series today. It's called Toxic Attitudes. Toxic Attitudes. I want to begin by asking you a question. What are you passionate about? What is your life dream? What what do you just get fired up about? What have you tried to walk away from, but you keep getting pulled back to it because you're really passionate about it? I mean, it's just really your heart. What do you want to accomplish in this life? What are your goals? What's your vision for your life? Well, I want to tell you, man, that uh, God wants to help you accomplish that. God wants to help you uh, in a way that will cause your dreams to come true. As a matter of fact, he put that passion in you. He put that love in you. He put that desire in you. He put that fire in you, and he wants to help you. You may have educational goals in your life right now or financial goals. Anybody want to get out of debt? Amen. Career goals. Uh, You might be really focusing on your career, and and you know if you can get that in place that that you're going to be able to to do more for God and bless the kingdom of God and maybe help missionaries more so you're working on your career, your business goals. Maybe you've got some marriage goals. You want to be a better husband. You want to be a better wife. Maybe you've got some parenting goals. You have some dreams for your children and aspirations for your children. Maybe you have a ministry. Everybody has a ministry. Um, Everybody has a calling, something there to do for the kingdom of God, something you're gifted to do. Uh, Do you have goals there? Maybe that's where you're really fired up right now. I hope you are. And of course, above all things, spiritual goals and spiritual desires. With God's leadership and God's help, there's no limit to what we can achieve and what we can accomplish. So it brings me to a question Why is it that so few people, it seems, really ever see their dreams come true? I don't know what the main reason for that is. I don't know what the number one reason is, what we're gonna talk about could be. The number one reason, I don't really know, but I, I really believe it is one of the top three, and that is attitude, attitude. Webster's Dictionary says attitude is an internal position or feeling with regard to something else. An internal position or feeling with regard to something else. Here are some synonyms for the word attitude. Disposition, feeling, mood, opinion, sentiment, temper, tone, perspective, that's a good one. Frame of mind, that's a good one. Outlook, what's your outlook on life? What's your outlook? What's your general mindset, your general outlook on life, your view, okay? I don't know a lot about flying planes, and if you ever see me in the driver's seat of a plane, do not get in that vehicle. But I will tell you that uh, flying has always fascinated me. Uh, I found out in studying uh, for this message that airplane pilots often use the word attitude. Now, I knew they used the word altitude, but I really didn't know about the fact that they use the word attitude to describe their horizontal relationship with the runway. This is a demonstration. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, The runway as they prepare to land the plane. Here's what they say. If the attitude of your plane is not aligned properly then that plane will make contact with the ground at a wrong angle, and it will cause that plane to crash if the attitude is not right. Your attitude is your inward disposition toward people and circumstances. Now, I hope you brought your umbrella because some Cold hard facts gonna be falling down in here today. (laughs) Y'all ready? Negative attitudes deeply affect individuals. If you if you got an attitude, if you got a toxic attitude, it's gonna affect you individually. Not only affect individuals, it also affects families. There can be a family that all the people in the family have a good attitude except one member, and how many members of that family get affected? All of them. Um, teams. If you'll notice in church, right, uh, we're trying to get away from the word committee. We're trying to get away from the word board. Um, I heard about a man who showed up at a, a deacon board meeting Uh, One night, and he wasn't a deacon, and and somebody politely said, uh, sir, this meeting is just for the board. He said, I'm bored to death. That's why I'm here. I heard y'all were having a board meeting. It ain't going to get no better than that, so I mean, y'all can laugh at it or not. It's as good as it gets. Uh, But negative attitudes deeply affect individuals, families, teams. How many of you have seen a sports team that had talent through the roof, everybody was getting a huge check? and they were below 500 in their record. Because attitudes will mess up a team. You you can take guys who don't have as much talent but work together as a team and everybody's got a good attitude, a good outlook, and they will beat that other team because attitude is so important. Uh, Negative attitudes will affect organizations and the church. Negative attitudes will affect The church. Why is it that so few churches in America and around the world are thriving? So few of them are thriving. I mean, God has made Himself available to the church. I mean, that's a pretty good resource. Amen. All right, I'll come down there. All right. God has made His Word available to the church. So, Why, if he's given us all that to ensure that we're healthy as a church and effective, why why aren't we we thriving? Why aren't more churches just exploding? and, And why isn't there more motivation? Why aren't people more fired up in the church? I mean, look at this verse right here. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Look at this promise to the church. Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter. Um, the Greek word there, Petros, uh, a large rock or large piece of rock. And on this rock, not, not Peter, but on the rock Jesus, the Greek word there, Petra, a huge rock like the rock of Gibraltar, I will build my church. He's going to build his church on, now we're not, we're not the church at Whitley, but we are a part of the church. You, you understand that? I've, I've been to churches that thought they were the church. And if you didn't join that church, you, you were, they were pretty sure you weren't going to heaven. Well, we're not that church. We, we are a church in the church. We are a local church in the church. And let me just preach on that just a minute. I, I don't want us to be critical of other churches. I don't want us to be critical of other denominations. I don't want us to be critical of people who don't do church like we do. Amen? I, I want us to love on folks who do church differently. They might, uh, they might uh, uh, be more formal than we are. They might be more traditional than we are. But how many of you know they're going to reach people we're not going to reach? And so praise God for them. They're, have y'all noticed some folks just ain't going to come to Whitley? They're not going to come. I don't understand it either, but they're, they're not going to come. And, and But but there are other churches that help them and meet their need. Different strokes for. i, I got to just throw this out there. I, I probably shouldn't. Um, y'all, <laughs> y'all know how I am. I, I love to think outside the box and. And, and we have a lot of people who come here who go, you know, man. Um, uh, I like I like some of the parts of your church, but the, you know, I don't like the music or I don't like the uh, the casual attire. I mean, what are they talking about? Seriously, what could they be talking about? But anyway, um, and, and so I thought, well, how cool would it be? And I don't even I don't know if we'll ever do anything like this. But what if we just had a church that offered that kind of church? Think about it. <laughs> you know, I mean, some folks want that, they need that. Some folks feel better in that. So when I, when I brought that up to the staff, they acted just like y'all just acted. But you gotta put it out there so we can process it. What if we had, what if we had, do y'all like to say what if about stuff? Uh, a lot of my what ifs never happened, glory to God amen but, but some of my what ifs do, and, and here's a what if what if we offered a a church that had? The most awesome southern gospel music you could ever hear. The most awesome hymns, choir. What if we had a church like that located somewhere? So when folks came here and didn't particularly like the way uh, we do things here, they could go there. We had a, another satellite. Can I think outside the box like that? Is that all right? You say, well, I ain't going there. That's all right. That person beside you might really like that, though. Are we okay with that? Different strokes for different folks. My wife's going to go, you, you said that, you told them that, you, you shouldn't, you know, those are inside words, not outside words. That's what she tells me sometimes. Um, so I'll build my church, he says, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, the gates of the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower the church. Now, y'all need to get way more excited than that right there. When Jesus just said, hell can't overpower us. And then, this is the Amplified Bible, he goes on to say, which means the, the powers of hell cannot be strong to the detriment of the church. The powers of hell cannot hold out against the church. So if you look at the Greek and you understand the Greek, it is not that we win when Satan attacks us. It's that he don't win when we attack him. See, see, look at the last part. They can't, the, the powers of darkness can't hold out against us. Uh, that's why we worship first. That's why we praise first. Uh, because uh, the enemy can't stay in praise. He, he can't function in praise. He can't function in worship. Uh, on Sunday morning, he's got all kind of plans to mess us up. If you don't believe it, ask the media team. Ask the lighting guys. Ask the computer guy. They've come up to me this morning going, Pastor, we'll do the best we can, but we don't know what in the world's going on. This thing has a mind of its own today. And so, uh, how many of you know computers are like that sometimes? I think um, they will take over the world, so we hope Jesus will come before then. But uh, the Bible says that even though Satan has an, a plan to attack you, he, if you are depending on Christ... He will not be strong to the detriment of your individual life or the church, or be able to hold out against you if you depend on the power of the risen Savior and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, we got all this available to us. Look at the training and the information that's available to churches, conferences you can go to, and seminars that are available, and books you can read, and websites that you can go to, and there's a Uh, a ton of information, consultants that you can call and you can uh, bring in to give you advice, computer software, much of this stuff is free and available. So why then, with all this godly provision, are so many people in churches floundering and failing? I believe personally, and this is my opinion, that it's messed up
1: mindsets, messed up ways of thinking. Bad attitudes. The Bible teaches us that when you become a
0: Christian, a part of this whole thing of becoming a new creation, a new creature in Christ is the development of new ways of thinking, new attitudes, new ways of perceiving. Look at Philippians 2 5. Philippians 2 5 says your attitude, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's a pretty high goal, isn't it? Do you understand that He is the example for us in all things? We will not attain His level, but we ought to be working, we ought to be laboring, we ought to be striving to attain His perception, His way of thinking. Uh, the Word of God said, Let the mind of Christ be where? In you, in us. Let the mind of Christ be in us, and, and that's that mindset. That I'm telling you, if the church is going to thrive in these last days, we got to break some old teaching. I know it's hard to say amen to that, because, you know, Grandma said, can I tell y'all right now, I love Grandma. Y'all love Grandma? Grandma ain't Jesus. Amen? Amen? And look, there. I hear people say, well, you know, I heard mine's brought You know what? You might have been brought up wrong. I know your mama's sitting right there beside you, and you can't say amen right now, but I'm telling you, you might have been brought up wrong. <laughs> and, and we have to look to the Word of God. We have to look to Jesus Christ to know what our perception of the world should be. See, one of the problems that holds the church back is you live in your little world. And if what's being preached and what's being taught and what's being talked about, if it don't affect you personally and your little world, you don't care about it. You don't want to hear it. You turn it off. Now I'm going to preach on that in just a minute. Philippians 2, 5. Let's look at Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught. How many of you were taught some bad stuff? I was taught some bad stuff. With regard to your former mindset, your former perception, your former way of thinking, your former way of life, but you were taught to put that off, put off that old way of thinking. Put off that old mindset, put off that old self, and the reason you need to put it off is because it's being corrupted and it is selfish. It has what kind of desires? deceitful and what you want is to be made new in the attitude of your now i'm gonna tell you if y'all ain't gonna respond today it's gonna get longer and longer i'm telling you right now you are gonna be made in the of your i'm telling you guys it's right between these ears where most your problems are You've given given him your heart, you've given him your heart, but you're still thinking like you used to. You're still processing like you used to. Let this mind be in you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, Don't be conformed to this world, but be what? By the what? Of your mind, the renewing of your mind. All right, let's go to Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And I'm gonna read a passage, I'm gonna read a parable of Jesus that you've all heard many times and we sang about it as little children. Let's read it. And probably when I read this, you're not gonna, you're gonna to try to figure out how it fits into this sermon, but you'll get it in just a minute. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, Jesus said, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the, who's the rock? Jesus. Then he said, but, and this is one of those big buts, all right, here it comes. <laughs> but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. Everybody repeat this after me out loud. Don't make me do it twice. The winds will blow. The rain will fall. The floods will come. come.
1: And I I got to live in the house I build. I mean, it ain't if the rains are coming. Okay. If the wind is
0: blowing or maybe the, flu- the rain's coming. You say, well, I've got it pretty good in my life. Buckle up. Because <laughs> the rain is coming and the wind's going to blow and the flood's going to rise and you've got to live in whatever mental house You have built for yourself. So what kind of mental attitude have you built for yourself? What kind of mindset have you built for yourself? What kind of disposition are you building? Way of thinking, way of processing. Is it based on the word? Is it based on an intimate relationship with God? Or have you just given Jesus your heart so you can have your little ticket to heaven, but you still think like you used to think? Because the storms are coming, and whatever storm comes, you've got to live in the house you built. And I ain't real sure what that house is going to do. If it's not built on God's word, and your relationship with God, and your prayer life, and your fasting life, and your intimacy with God, I don't care how good things are going for you now, your house will fall. And great will be. The fall of it. So we've got to get our head right. we got to get our attitudes right, church. I mean, me too. Because Millie's coming to the second service, and i am got to say that, because if I don't, she will. We all struggle with having right attitudes. What we're going to do in this sermon series is we're going to list some very destructive attitudes. Some toxic attitudes. Poisonous Attitudes. And um, you can use these attitudes to build for yourself a very weak and a very miserable house.
1: I know Christians who are miserable people. I know Christians who are sour. They all come to the
0: second service on Saturday night. But I know sour Christians. I know Christians who, if they die, they're going to heaven, But they're almost useless as it relates to having any effect on anybody else to come to
1: Jesus because their thinking is poisoned. The first attitude we're gonna deal with, might as well just start with something,
0: break the ice, amen? I mean, I could start off with something like negative
1: attitude, I'm gonna start off, control freaks. I am not going to allow any pointing in
0: this service. If I see you pointing, an usher will come get you. Don't point.
1: Control freaks are in the church. But they don't come to the early service, and the people said. Amen. The
0: San Diego Union-Tribune in 2005, June 26 issue had an article entitled, The Characteristics of the Control Freak. So let's just kind of go through these, and I'm telling you, behave yourself.
1: Control freaks were described by most people as not only being controlling, but also being very picky and very critical.
0: Control freaks love order and established routines. How many of you know order and established routines are okay? They're okay, but control freaks take it over the top. I mean, to the point of don't you even touch anything on their desk, they will knock you out. Watch out if their plans have to be rearranged. Control freaks need to be right all the time. Control freaks will tell you who you are and what you think. Y'all with me? When you do not agree with a control freak, they simply tell you that you're wrong and you're inadequate. When you question a control freak, they feel immediately attacked. I'm going to just pause right there for that one. I just let that one. We need to marinate in that one a little bit. I'm just open, I'm just open, I'm just open. Anybody can just share. I want to grow as a person. Well, you kind of get on my nerves. What, what did you, ow, hmm. Met folks like that? Control freaks don't simply, uh, I mean, don't, don't seem to really hear you or see you. Matter of fact, most of the time, they're waiting for you to stop talking so they can, Y'all don't know anybody like that. I mean, they can't even let you finish the sentence because they got to help you. Mm. Control freaks would much rather give orders than take them. Uh, control freaks hang on to a project way too long because they want it to be perfect. Any perfectionist around here this morning? Uh, You just can't let something go because it's got to be as if Jesus did it. Um, Can I enlighten you on something? Bad English, but this is good preaching. You ain't Jesus. Let it go. Here in this church, we don't demand perfection from our leadership, but we ask you to be excellent in whatever you do. You understand that excellent and perfection is not the same thing. You can do your best, they may have a few flaws and a few little nicks, but you did your best. That's all we care about. Do your best. Control freaks make other people feel very anxious and alienated. Oh, here's a good one. Control freaks snoop around where he or she does not
1: belong. Reading your mail. Control freak walks in your house. You stand there talking to them. They're checking
0: your house out. Around your house. you can tell. <clears throat> Y'all, all right? Everybody, all right? Control freaks aren't comfortable unless they're in charge. And with a control freak, winning an argument is way more important than finding a best solution. They just want to win the
1: argument. Hmm, Washington, D.C. We're going to wreck this country, but we're going to win this argument.
0: Uh, control freaks, um, when they don't get what they want, uh, you are met with anger or pouting or the silent treatment because when they don't get what they want, they want you to ask them, what's
1: wrong? Nothing. Nothing. They're trying to control you. I'm telling you, best thing you can
0: do with somebody who does that is just walk off and ignore them. they tear their nerves up. Now, we know this is true because this was written in California. Now, <laughs> uh, so what are we supposed to do? I mean, we people who are not control freaks, what are we supposed to do? With all these people who come on, on, on Saturday night and to the second service, what, what are we supposed to do with these people? Look at that scripture right there. Guard your heart. I'm telling you right now, we're gonna deal with something very seriously today before I close. You gotta guard your heart against people who wanna control you. And and you might be a person who has a personality that's kinda passive and you don't like confrontation and you like to get along with everybody and you gotta be careful especially if that's your personality. And that's not a bad personality to have. You you can be a um, a very meek person, but at the same time, a very strong person. Meekness doesn't mean weakness. Jesus was called the meekest man who ever lived. Was he weak? No, sir. Now, what I want to do is go to the worst form of control, and we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about it next Sunday, and I'm going to just give you some stuff real quick, and then we're done. I want to talk to you about emotional dependency. We'll talk to you about emotional dependency. Now, some of y'all are already thinking, I don't think this sermon's got anything for me. Can can I just step aside from this sermon and just preach something right here? Don't don't ever come to me and go, you know, I ain't going on Wednesday night right now because they're dealing with a topic I don't need. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about that God might want you to learn that stuff so you can help somebody else? I'm telling you right now, (laughs) do not tell me I am not going to hear that sermon series or I'm not going on Wednesday night because they're talking about marriage or they're talking about parenting and I don't need all that. Can you understand that God is trying to equip you, that he's giving you tools? Not necessarily that you can, you might not even have any children,
1: but you might help somebody. Because I get that. I'll get an email. What what are they teaching on tonight, uh, Wednesday night?
0: Because I know they were on that parenting thing, and I don't really need that. If I could reach through Facebook, (laughs) I want to go. I know you, and yes, you do need it. You need any scripture you can get. Let me just break something to you. It it ain't all about you. That's what's on my T-shirt right there. It ain't about me. He might be giving you some tools. He might be giving you some information. He might be giving you something. You might be sitting with a niece or a nephew or a friend or somebody might come by your house and say, you know what, you go to Willie Church, don't you? I heard they had some parenting classes down there. I was wondering if you took those classes. I've got some problems. Can you help me? No, I didn't go take them. It wasn't for me cold hard facts falling in here today one of the most uh intense struggles people deal with in our society today is emotional dependency now this is true throughout all of society but it can especially thrive in the church because the church teaches us to put others first And the church teaches us to love unconditionally. So the enemy comes in and takes good, beautiful instruction that Jesus has given us and he twists it. And he perverts it and he distorts the true meaning of God's expectation. Let me just say this to you emotional dependency is not love, it's control. It's control. What is emotional dependency? I should have put this up on the screen, but I didn't. If you want my sermon notes, I'll send them to you. Emotional dependency is the condition resulting when the ongoing presence and or nurturing of another person is believed necessary for this person's personal security. This nurturing comes in many forms. Actually, many perverted forms. Let me ask y'all something, how many of you believe giving a person your attention is good? It's good. How many of you believe listening is good? Admiration, giving a person uh, admiration, counsel, giving a person affirmation. We all need affirmation, don't we? Um, uh, Spending time with people, that's all good. Satan, the enemy, will pervert all of that. And emotional dependency can come in the form of attention, listening, admiration, counsel, affirmation, and spending time together. Emotional dependency can range from a powerful romantic attachment to another person to a platonic friendship that has become way too ingrown and way too possessive. Emotionally dependent relationships may appear harmless or even healthy in the beginning, but they can lead to destruction and bondage greater than most people can imagine. Whether or not an emotionally dependent relationship is physical or not, sin enters the picture when a friendship becomes a dependent relationship. Because who are we supposed to depend on? Jesus, the Lord. Who? So, so if, we're, if our dependency is on something else more than it's on him. That thing has become an idol to us. Sin has entered. Now, to draw a clear line between the normal interdependency that happens in a wholesome relationship and an unhealthy dependency, let me just talk about a healthy dependency. Uh, I need you guys. I need you. And I know you're not gonna say amen to this, but I'm telling you right now, y'all need me too. I'm telling you, all right? We need each other, don't we? I mean, I need you like flowers need sunshine and rain. I need you in my life, but there is a healthy dependency and there is an unhealthy dependency. And uh, that unhealthy dependency, we're gonna look at the factors that make up a dependent relationship, how and why they get started and how they are maintained. Um, Characteristics of a dependent relationship, we're gonna look at those. Again, let me say that we all have a deep need placed in us by God for intimate friendships. Please understand that. I'm not saying friendship is bad. I'm saying emotionally dependent relationships are bad. So then how do we know when we're meeting, when a need is being met in us legitimately, and how do we know uh, when we've crossed that line into dependency? So let's look at some characteristics of a... Um, emotionally dependent relationship. Y'all with me out there? How many of you think we need to talk about this in the church? Trust me, we need to talk about this in the church. The church, again, is a place of fertile ground for this kind of relationship because we are taught to love. We are taught to be accepting. One of the core values of this church as it relates to us being a life-giving church, one of the core values of this church is acceptance. Love, unconditional love. What you have to understand as a Christian is that whatever good thing God has put out there, the enemy has a counterfeit. So let's look at some of these characteristics. Um, A relationship has become dependent when uh, the two people involved in it experience frequent jealousy, possessiveness, and a desire for exclusivism, you know what that is? Where I want you to be my friend and I don't want you to be anybody else's friend and anybody else who tries to get in our little world here is a threat. They view other people as a threat to the relationship. When people prefer to spend time alone with this friend and when they don't get that time alone that they want with this friend, they become very irritated and frustrated when they don't get what they want in this relationship. People who are involved in an emotional dependent relationship become irrationally angry, which often manifests itself in a depression when this friend withdraws ever been in a relationship with somebody and you could tell that person was beginning to control more and more of your time and more and more of your conversation and and you're as a Christian, you're going, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this or not. I don't know if I'm supposed to, I feel like I need to withdraw. I feel like this isn't healthy, but I I know Jesus, you know, he loves and, and the enemy's there. I'm here to set you free today. That's a toxic relationship. If you begin to withdraw from somebody who you feel like is trying to control you and they become angry and depressed, that is a tactic to control you and draw you back into that toxic relationship. Is anybody listening? I mean, even slightly. You just pull away slightly and you can tell
1: they're like, Well, what are you doing? Where are you? I thought we were going to. Um, when the two people
0: involved in this begin to lose interest in other friendships other than the dependent one, when you begin to experience romantic or sexual feelings, and I'm not talking about just um, uh, different sexes having that attraction, but same sex having that attraction in an emotionally dependent relationship. Can I preach like this in the house of God? Experience romantic or sexual feelings that lead to fantasy about that person. Um, When a person becomes preoccupied with another person's appearance, I don't like it when you wear that. I
1: I like it when you wear that other thing. Uh, They become preoccupied with their personality. Uh, They become
0: preoccupied with that person's problems and that person's interests. They'll begin to take up hobbies that they have no interest in if they think it will cause them to be able to spend more time with that person. Um, When people are unwilling to make short or long-range plans that don't include the other person, that's a sign of an independent. Uh, uh, emotionally dependent relationship. R- really, guys, uh, alarms ought to be going off inside your head when you see some of these things. See, some of y'all are sitting here right now, and you're not even remotely involved in a relationship like this. This might sound a little foreign to you, but there are some of you sitting here right
1: now going, Oh, my Lord in heaven, this is happening to me i got to tell you, Thursday night at the bridge, I thought I'd totally missed the mark on this sermon. I
0: I thought I totally missed it. Matter of fact, when I came home from the bridge, I was so beat up about uh, how how that message was. I I perceived it to be received that I thought, I need to get in there Friday and just spend the whole day rewriting that thing and, and making it more interesting and making it more. And all of a sudden, the
1: emails started flowing in. from that service. And so it was God saying, hey, dude, I'm preaching. Amen? I want God to preach in this church, don't you? Uh,
0: when, when, uh, <clears throat> when you begin to not see faults in the other person, uh, you know, you're, you're just not real about their faults, and I know Millie and I don't have a emotionally dependent relationship because she is very open about my faults. and. <laughs> and sharing those with me just to help me. That's what she says. Um, if a person becomes defensive about the relationship when they're asked about it. See, when you got a friend that used to be, a, you had a good relationship with them, good health, and all of a sudden, they just cut you off because they always with, y'all, are y'all hearing me? And you go up to them and go, hey, man, what's up? We used to be friends, you know, and do stuff, grill out, and go to Starbucks.
1: And they go, well, what are you saying? What are you saying? I'm saying, what's up? I'm saying something's whacked up in here.
0: (laughs) Amen? How How many of you know we just need to get real about some things? See, we're as Christians, and we're all in in this political correctness thing. We're all in this political correctness thing where we can't really say what's what. You've got to couch it. Uh, let Let me tell you something. You need to look at some relationships and go, that is whacked out right there.
1: But see, we might say, well, you know, that might be how God works in there. Come on, give me a break.
0: When, um, People in an emotionally dependent relationship begin to display physical affection for each other beyond what is appropriate in a friendship. Um, when a person refers to the other person over and over and over in any conversation on any topic, that is a sign. And they always feel free to speak for that person if they're not present. Um, when, when there is uh, Uh, when 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 people exhibit an intimacy and familiarity with this friend that causes others to feel uncomfortable in their presence or embarrassed in their presence. Here's what you need to understand. Satan is subtle, guys. He's very subtle. I would love it if he would put on a red flannel suit with horns and a long tail and a pitchfork and go, I am the devil, and I have come here to fight you. I would love that. But he doesn't. He doesn't come obvious. He comes cloaked. He tries to make himself look as much like God as he can. And that is why if you are not walking in knowledge of the scriptures and you're not walking in intimacy with God through prayer and through fasting and through staying, you, you know, and I know we got to get out there and win the loss, but we also got to come here and get, draw strength from one another and be in a small group, serve in the church because that's where we get our strength. I'm telling you, you're going to get deceived out there. You're going to get deceived. And I'm not trying to scare you and I'm not trying to paint some ugly picture. I'm just saying, uh,
1: Peter said, be sober. Be sober, be awake, be alert. The
0: adversary is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. The scriptures also says, greater is he who is in me than he who is seeking to devour me. But if you're not walking in the strength of God and in intimacy with God, you're going to be drawn into relationships and you're going, to, you're, you're going to cloak that sometimes with spiritual talk. As a matter of fact, one relationship that I dealt with in a church um, <clears throat> that had uh, an emotionally dependent relationship was um, they, they cloaked it in Bible study. We're having Bible study. How dare you, Pastor Farrell Hardison, bring us in here and talk to us about this. We're having Bible study. And I, and I, I, I said, but you, have, you don't sit with your spouse and your family anymore. You sit with this person in church, and that
1: is whacked. Amen? Now, church,
0: this is, a, this is a toxic relationship. This is a toxic attitude. We're going to go into it deeper next week. We're going to go into it further. Here's what we're going to pray right now over the congregation.
1: is We're going to pray that you will get your spiritual antenna up
0: and if you're, if you're in a relationship right now or you're connected in any way in a relationship where this person is demanding more and more and more of your time and more and more and more that you would leave other relationships and just be in that relationship with them, I'm going to tell you something, the, you ought to be hearing bells and sirens. And you say, well, that didn't happen to me. But it may, and you need this information, or it may happen to your child, or it may happen to someone you love, and you got to get up in their world a little bit because you love them. Amen? See, our our theme around Whitley Church is, if you go drifting off, we're going to go get you. Now, if you leave and go to another church, we don't necessarily consider that drifting off. You might just feel like you don't fit here anymore. You won't go somewhere else. We pray God. But if you're just going to quit church, we're going to go get you. We're going to go reach out there to you if we know what's going on. So we have got to reach out to people who we see getting tied up in these kind of relationships. Again, come next Sunday, we're going to go further into this. I'm going to give you some more information, and I want you to get this. I'll send you every bit of these notes. I want you to become familiar with this because here's what I believe as your pastor. I believe this is a problem we are gonna deal with more and more and more and more in the days to come as a church. And what we're gonna do is uncover it right now and talk about it in the open right now so we will recognize it when we see it. Is anybody listening to me? Y'all want this kind of preaching? You want this? You want this kind of word? I'm telling you guys, the church needs it. Because when the enemy can't walk right in the front door, He's going to come in the back door. Father, we submit ourselves to you, Lord. Pastor Jared said it this morning. We declare our
1: desperation for you. We declare our desperation for you. Don't let us be fooled. We pray, Lord, that we will have discernment.
0: Discernment enough that when we begin to see something developing that is corrupt, and it may have on its surface everything that looks like you and talks like you, but we know because we discern this is rotten at its heart. The outside may look good, but the inside is corrupt. The inside is rotten. God, we must have your help to see it. We must have your help to recognize it so that we can draw one another in, so we can warn one another, so we can pray for one another, so we can reach out and pull one another back in when we begin to drift away. That's what the
1: church is all about. So, Father, help us. Help us, Lord. We declare our desperation
0: for you i want to be emotionally dependent on you lord i want to be dependent on you in every area of my life and if i do that then all my other relationships will be healthy and what they ought to be we pray it in jesus name and everybody said now listen up listen up the altar is open i'm going to stay up here a little while if you want to pray i can't get guys here here's what's happening sometimes after service People come up and want to get into a counseling session up here. I cannot do that because people are waiting. But if you want me to pray for you, if you want to speak a word to me, if you want me to give you my email address, whatever, I'll do anything I can to help you. It might not be me who contacts you. I have a staff, but we want to help you. But I can't get into a counseling session up here, okay? I love you guys so much. Hey, listen, if you're a guest today, pick up your gift before you leave. Don't forget the everything card to sign up for different things. We're glad you're here today. God bless you. Thanks for coming.